This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. BYU Sports Station is live once again. Your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Thursday, July 9th, wherever and however you're connected, Great to have you with us. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up with a man drowning his lack of sports sorrows in video games, specifically college football 97, Jerem Jordan. A guy at Toast Manor tweeted the following about having all of the... I'm not... What is this music? At Toast Manor. Took me years, but I finally got every version of NCAA football for every console. How about that? Now, you and I played this game a lot. Um, until they stopped making it, thanks to uh, you know Ed O'Bannon and company, right? Um, so that's incredible. That's incredible. NCAA College Football 14, someone goes through and makes updated rosters, and you can download said rosters and play with that. I still do that, which is, uh, which is really fun. So the fact that At Toast Manor has every incredible version for every console On is every console. unbelievable. Can we pull up that picture one more time? Because I want you to notice the... Bigger boxes in the top left with the actual cartridges from the Sega. Is that Sega? I was going to say, is that Sega? (laughs) So when did they start making it? Was it 97? Or was was it earlier? 95, I believe. Okay. Bill Walsh College Football 1995. Well, oh, that's, is that this game? This is NCAA college football. That's what he's talking Correct. about. Correct. Yeah, yeah, it started Did with it Bill, evolve from that? It evolved from Bill oh, okay. Walsh. Gotcha. He was supposed to be the John Madden uh, character for college football. Then they just went to college football USA. Nice. But nice. in Bill Walsh 1995, they, couldn't, they weren't sure they could use the official names of the universities. They didn't have the licensing. So I was playing with Provo. Like, they just went by city names. So, I'm Provo, and I'm ranked 25th. And then if you had an all-time team, it was Provo 1984. Nice. If they did that today, it'd be a bunch of summer salesmen uh, on the team. So Big game with awesome. Pullman yeah. coming up. Provo and with Pullman. Provo and Pullman. <laughs> That's really compelling. Here's today's show lineup, which features a guy that, frankly, I'd love to play video games with. His name is Reno Mahe, NFL veteran, former BYU star, joining us to help process through the potential of no college football and preview our 2001 reviewables special of that magical 2001 BYU season. The best to ever wear 47 has a prominent NFL twist plus deep blue with maybe the best shooter on the BYU basketball team, Trevin Nell. And what's the chance our countdown to the Utes is still accurate. Now for your Thursday BYU sports nation headlines. The Ivy League has officially pushed back all sports until at least January, becoming the first Division I conference that won't play football as scheduled in the fall due to the coronavirus. They're an FCS conference, technically. Also, the Big Ten is likely to head to a 10-game conference-only schedule, according to Sean Callahan of Nebraska's rival site, Husker Online. That would include BYU's games with Michigan State and Minnesota being just gone, right? That decision could come in the next 8 to 10 days, according to an unnamed coach in the report. And the San Diego Tribune has said that the Pac-12 is also continuing to look at that option, which uh, Larry Scott said a few weeks ago. So dominoes are falling, which we will explore in, in what's trending today. The University of Stanford, speaking of the Pac-12, with an absolute shocker. Cardinal Athletic Department announcing they will drop 11 sports at the conclusion of the 2020-2021 season due to the financial challenges presented by COVID-19. That list includes men's volleyball, 
men's and women's fencing, field hockey, lightweight rowing, men's rowing, co-ed and women's sailing, squash, synchronized swimming, and wrestling. I didn't know they had squash. I didn't know a few of those sports actually existed in the NCAA. (laughs) But still, volleyball, wrestling, those are storied programs at Stanford. This decision affects 22 coaches and over 240 student-athletes. Of note, each of these 11 sports will be allowed to compete the last season, but that's only if circumstances allow. Yeah, I'm really disappointed that uh, specifically men's volleyball will be cut. There have been some epic matches. I've gotten to know John Cossie, the head coach, pretty well. I texted him yesterday about this, just saying how sorry I was about it. So it's disappointing. It really is. And uh, in, in the release, Stanford said that could cost us up to $200 million in the next five years to maintain those. So financial decision. I mean, Stanford beat BYU in a national semifinal not that many years ago. Yeah, 2014. Uh, BYU's game against Northern Illinois in football has been moved back to campus in DeKalb from SeatGeek Stadium in Chicago. Um, October 24th, will that game even happen? Yeah, will the game happen? And are the group of five conferences more inclined to pursue games like that because they absolutely have to have the revenue? Just like, Who's going to do it out of necessity to keep programs around like what revenue <laughs> are, are, are there going to be many fans in the stands like there are it's few like what revenue are you talking about tv primarily not a ton coming out of that with wow. mac right byu issued a statement yesterday regarding the federal government student and exchange visitor program guidance to send all international students back to their home countries should there be no in-person classes a major hot button issue According to the statement, BYU is exploring options to to support, rather, its international students. And, quote, BYU's international student and scholar services remain in close contact with those students and are coordinating with university, government, and legal representatives. Like colleges and universities across the nation, BYU is seeking more information. A reminder, BYU men's volleyball currently has four international students, all of whom see significant court time. They're all starters. And BYU women's basketball has five international players to compete this upcoming season. This is a major issue. Coaches are talking to players. They're trying to figure it out. Borders are closed. You know, quarantine once you get in, if you can't get in. So it's it's a little complicated. BYU is planning on, uh, uh, you know, a mix, but having in-class uh, fall schedule. So this complicates things. Will BYU play fall sports, right? I, I don't know. But let's just let's just get this vaccine quick. Let's just get the vaccine, and then uh, we can resume life. Maybe the uh, New Zealand athletes at BYU can help us because apparently they figured it out in that country. Yeah, it's a smaller area to work with. Certainly that's played a role in being an island, and you can control who comes in and out a little more. Mm. All right, time to dig deep after that onslaught of news. Rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's what's trending on BYU Sports Nation. College football chaos and every other sport, for that matter. The last 24 hours has been unsettling, to say the least, for the world of major college sports. Let's recap briefly. Stanford will drop 11 sports. The Ivy League cancels all fall sports and won't hold any athletic event until at least January 1st, 2021. The Big Ten and Pac-12 are reportedly nearing conference-only models for college football. That has significant ramifications for BYU because the Cougars' first four games of the 2020 season are against Pac-12 and Big Ten competition. Jerem, how would you sum up the fallout 
considering the last 24 hours in the world of college sports. The tip of the iceberg, potentially. I mean, I've been asking questions the last few days. Like, okay, how is college football going to work? Someone tell me exactly how it's going to work. And uh, it's hard to figure out, right? We are how many you know, weeks away from the season? What, eight or so? Um, and we don't have the answers. It feels like we're just trying to come up with answers until there's a vaccine. Once there's a vaccine, it's like, okay, I'm more comfortable potentially getting a positive test because we have a cure for this, right? Um, or, or something that approximates that. It's tough. I, listen, what happened yesterday is, like you said, unsettling because it's more of a reality check of, oh, shoot. We're looking around, and you don't want to be the last one standing there in terms of movement on not being proactive with something, typically. And when it comes to something with health like this, no one wants people to get sick, and definitely no one wants anybody to die. So you don't want to put college athletes there in a situation that might be lethal, right? There are those on both sides of the fence. I'm not exploring that political avenue, but let's talk about the sports element of this. Yeah, BYU's schedule is about to be blown up if the Big Ten and Pac-12 say we're going conference only. Five games on the schedule. That's five games, right? And who's to say that the other Power Fives won't do the same exact thing? You know they will. If one Power Five league goes to conference only, the other four, I believe, will follow. So that means that BYU would lose uh, another game, Missouri in the SEC, right? So who is BYU playing? Will BYU play at all? On July 9th right here, I don't think it's crazy to say this. We're probably not going to play any sports in the fall. Like, any. Is that crazy or not? There are sports that you can manage better with social distancing, like golf and, I don't know, maybe a little bit of... Even soccer. Soccer, yeah. Because you don't have, it, like, 100 people involved on right. both sides, you don't, right? There are 22 athletes involved. Yeah. You, can, you can maintain distance. And, frankly, the stadiums are much smaller. Like, you, you, can, you can do this. In fact, you could even play volleyball maybe with no fans in the stands. Like, you, you could do I that. Don't see that. I don't see a situation where we're going to really have fans in the stands right now. I, 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 don't, I don't see it. Obviously, we want it, and I know there are fans who want it. But it's just it's really complex. Fans is one thing. I'm, that's in the back of my mind right now. Can we even play? Can we even play? That's, that's the first thing, right? And then the financial ramifications of all this are wild as well. Man. Because can certain schools afford to not play? Now, can we move everything to the spring? We talked about it yesterday. We've been talking about kind of we're slicing up every different angle and scenario of COVID-19 and how it affects sports. Can everything be moved? I'm, I'm thinking hoops is going to be hard, right? Ivy League says they're not going to play any sports until January. That's basketball, too. So they're not going to start playing basketball until January. And if you don't start until January, that's league only, by the way. So they, without saying it, they basically said, we're going to play league only in basketball. They didn't come out and say that, but that's what has to happen. Who are you going to play in non-con Or does college point, basketball right? push everything back? Perhaps. That discussion already happened from the VP, right, in, in the NCAA. But what he said is, move up two weeks so we can have two weeks extra off during the holiday and if the nba is going to do it and the model can be successful maybe they attempt to play those earlier games moving up the season to play non-conference with no fans maybe it's just the coaches and the players and everyone gets tested accordingly and they allow a few 
TV entities in there to broadcast the game so fans can watch. Like, basketball is a sport that is much easier to control just because there are so fewer athletes involved and individuals. Uh, And I'm glad you brought up the politics of this because it is so divisive right now, and we are going to stay away from that. Because I know that I've had people on my timeline saying, Spencer, remind everyone it's 99.8% survival rate. But then you think about the 0.2% that are affected and lose loved ones and family members, and it's like, okay, that's not justification to them. It, That's not going to make them feel better. What what you essentially ask in that in that conversation is, how many people are you willing to have die? And that's an uncomfortable conversation, right? But so with sports, it's hard. You better hope if you want college sports, I think you better pray and hope that the professional sports succeed because yeah. if they do not, there is no way college will watch what no major way. league baseball and the NBA do and are able to accomplish when things get going here in, in now three weeks for weeks? the NBA and two weeks for major league baseball, right? Major league soccer started last night. They played a second game this morning. We had it on in the office this morning. I was like, okay, American sport, right? NWSL NASCAR. Um, and, and we, you bring up a great point about, okay, certain numbers in certain sports. Football is entirely different. It's just entirely different. And I, I'm not sure how that's going to play out. I, I just don't – frankly, I don't see how it can. I would love for it to do so. Trust me. I, I'm like you. I'm like you. I want to watch college football this fall. But uh, I, I just think it's going to be hard. We're just stalling for a vaccine. We're just trying to make it happen, which is, which is good, which is, which is noble. The noblest thing would – to be, yeah, we're not playing at all, right? Um, but we're going to try and see if we can be safe, be healthy, and still make this happen because there are, not only is it life, but it's also jobs, right? And it's, and it's money, and it's uh, what universities and others can handle through this. It's extremely complicated, but yesterday was a day that I think we ought to mark in our memory banks of, okay, July 8th, that's when like a few dominoes started to, Started a tip, right? And I, I hope it's not, but I think it is the tip of the iceberg right it's now. It's just like March 12th when Rudy Gobert tested positive for the coronavirus before the game for the Utah yeah. Jazz against Oklahoma City, and then, boom, Every, major dominoes fall. Of note, we were in Vegas on Tuesday morning, by the way, at the tourney. Like, we, it, I remember during the tourney not shaking some people's hands and just fist bumping and, and whatnot because we thought, wait, we need to – we need to take this a little more seriously. And then it happened so fast. And obviously the United States has been late to this. And that's why we're dealing with the inability to do this. Because I watch English Premier League games on the reg. They're playing soccer like normal and have been for a month, right? Of note, the Ivy League was ahead of the game yeah. with college basketball. They were the first to cancel their conference tournament. And now here we are again. The Ivy League are the first to make a major announcement in terms of canceling fall sports uh this quote as we wrap up and move to our question of the day from a p5 coach on the big 10 plans said quote yes it hasn't been officially decided we have a big meeting tomorrow thursday july 9th but yeah it just seems to me that probably in the last week and a half it happened fast i could just kind of tell from the tone of our leadership that's the direction that they wanted to go and felt most comfortable going nothing has been decided nothing's official but I would be surprised if it's not that. Then asked, when could a decision be made on a move from a 12 to 10 game schedule, conference only, with each Big Ten school jettisoning its three non-conference games? The coach responded, 
probably in the next eight to ten days. It's happening so fast, yeah. Jerome. Well, we've been able. To, we we've known what we've known for a while, right? A little bit, right? It, it's it's going to happen quickly. Yeah, and that was uh, to Tom uh, Dinehart, a P five coach on the Big Ten. Our question of the day: Do you feel there will be college football in the fall? Why or why not? You can participate in a live poll with our question of the day by going to vote.byutv.org. Vote.byutv.org. Let's go to Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. John Hunter answers on Facebook. Really hope so, but doubt it can happen in a safe way. I hope to be proved wrong. Go Cougs. Would it be safe if they were able to play the games with no fans. So if the Pac-12 and Big Ten go conference only, is anybody going to be at the game? I have no thought to whether the fans are involved. It's can you play with players and make it safe? That who Like, I'm sorry, who cares about the fans compared to the players? You know what I mean? Like, can we play the games, period? If we can get some fans in, great. But that is such an afterthought. It really is in my mind. Can we even play? Can and, you monitor? And look, right now, no is 68%. Can you monitor and test the number of athletes involved in a college football game and coaches? Because we're talking upwards of like, I don't know, 400 individuals. You'd have to trim that number down. For every college football game. Yeah, considering both teams and, and people required personnel that need to be there, trainers, all of that stuff. You would think that the rosters would have to be small. Like, are guys going to play both ways? Like, it might be like high school. Who knows? Holy cow. Coming up, the best wear number 47. And former BYU great NFL veteran Reno Mahe joins us to help us maintain some type of optimism and preview our reviewables special set for tomorrow. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. The BYUSN Reviewables are back tomorrow. We dive into the 2001 football season tomorrow on BYU Sports Nation. Can't wait. Our conversation with Brandon Doman when we look at that season. We are live in Studio B with your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play. I'm Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan, and it is time for our conversation with another prominent member of that 2001 BYU football team. One of our favorites, Reno Mahe, NFL veteran. Reno! All-around good man. What's up, On the Deseret First Credit Union hotline. Reno, it's good to see your face, man. Seriously, it's been way too long. It's been a while, guys. Good to see you guys. Been following you guys via social media. It's been great to catch up with you guys. You are the perfect candidate to help us maintain some type of optimism because you've got a smile that lights up the world everyone loves your lap reno we need this today given the man the tough news we've been hearing about potentially no college football over the last 24 hours how are you processing all of this you know i three weeks ago my um sorry did you guys i lose you guys there three weeks ago my all right three weeks ago my um my son got invited to play on this baseball team. And so we're kind of a baseball family now, which has been scary and weird, but just being out there and kids are playing and, and, you know, families are out and about. And my daughter's actually on the Sky Ridge summer league team. And I, well, I mean, we're, we're, we're out there, but it's all Utah County. Right. But if you go about 10 feet North of my house and you're in Salt Lake County, then, 
the virus might get you there. So you got to um, be a little <laughs> mindful of sports a little more north of Utah County. So it's all crazy right now, guys. I'm not a doctor. I'm not, I can't tell you what's going to happen, what's not going to happen, but we're just doing what we're able to do. And my son's playing baseball. My daughter's playing basketball. Um, my mom and dad are still living in Hawaii and they're happy as all get out. So this, I, I, I mean, I'm not going to, there's things I, I just can't control what I can't control. Right. So I can control what's within the, four walls of my home and um we're good my wife still likes me and <laughs> that's good <laughs> that's always good so I, dude there's there's just so much to be grateful for and sometimes i think we forget that i can't tell you how much i want a mango otai right now oh, thinking so, of your parents so we go to the pollination cultural center in december yeah. before the bowl game and we meet your dad he shows us he's he's got what the an nfc championship ring right He's got the ring, yeah. a thing on. And How about this? Ten, Yotai was ten amazing. Ten years ago, I thought I lost it. Come to find out, he jacked it. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. So he was great. Yeah, the, the the mango otai was unbelievable. Oh, it was so good. So, yeah. So we brought you on mainly to talk about the 2001 season because we're doing right, a right. show tomorrow, which was awesome. So let's dive into that. So you come back, you, you're at BYU, you go to Dixie, you lead the country in receiving, you change positions from running back to receiver. And then, and then 2001 happens. We don't know what's going to happen this season. You know, Lavelle Edwards retired. We got this new OC dude, Gary Croton. Brandon Doman started two games. And then, boom, 12-0 and start. What was that like to start that season in that way? So I, I think for me, looking back, uh, looking back at what happened, I think you can always tell whether you'll have a successful year um, on two things. One, the leadership of your quarterback and then, you know, your O line. And so I, I yeah, it's so funny. Just I think it was a couple of days ago. I went, uh, my wife and I went and spoke at a little family fireside for uh, a buddy who was from the 2001 season, Ryan Slater or Dr. Slater. And, we talked about the 01 season and just how nasty our old linemen. They were just a bunch of jerks. And um, <laughs> but they, they were so good. They were just, just punks. And that's who you want at your old line. But then you had a leader like Brandon Doman. And so ha- having, whenever you have leaders like that at your quarterback position, you know, you saw uh, Taysom Hill with, um, 2016 season it just makes for a great year and you're always in games they'll always protect you as coaches and um and it was just something new you know you had Gary Crowen come in and just um with uh, Mike Borch as the OC they were just able to throw something new and I think it was harder for defenses at that time because they didn't know what what to really expect so it was a fun year, man. <laughs> so uh, until we until we went to Hawaii, <laughs> yeah, yeah, until you went to Hawaii, or maybe uh, until you had to go to the hospital before the Utah game, Reno. What what in the world? <laughs> so walk us through the story of you uh, having emergency <laughs> surgery and then somehow coming back to play against Utah. Can I put my wife on blast first? <laughs> yes, sure. I, I made so I go to pick up my wife that Sunday from the airport, and with a couple husbands who. Uh, had wives on the volleyball team and the husbands that I'm there with, they're grabbing their wives bags and, but I'm hurting. 
like I can't even grab her bag. And so she's just kind of like, what a jerk. <laughs> like, <laughs> so we, we, we get, we get back to the house. The um, women's volleyball team had a, like a team deal that night. So my wife leaves me at our apartment. It's just me and her. Um, and I'm just laying there in the tub and I'm just hurting. And it wasn't until she came back and I was still in the tub that she realized something is not right. So she's like, let's go to the hospital. On the way to the hospital, the car dies. So, <laughs> so we're halfway from Orem to Provo, the car dies. And so uh, someone had to come give us a ride to the, to the hospital. Um, that's Sunday night. So long story short, Monday morning, I had a, uh, appendectomy done. And then you, you forget about some of the details, but it was just, like I said, I, I went to a little fireside for Dr. Slater, who was a receiver with me at BYU at the time. And he's had was telling my wife how there was blood on the Jersey from the stitches opening during the game. And you, you don't, you just forget about things like that. All I knew that week, that it was against the youths and I had to play. <laughs> so I got it done Monday. Um, I don't know why I thought this, but Tuesday, Wednesday, I remember thinking to myself that as much as it was hurting, that if I didn't take any pain medicine and I knew I was good with the pain, I could play. Mm. Like that was just my own, my, my own way of thinking that I just like, don't take anything after the surgery. If I can deal with it, I'll be able to play. And I remember my parents got ridiculed by the, media and you know that they were dumb for letting me play and that even some people were saying i didn't get surgery like that was a funny one that one was pretty cool but then i remember sneaking out of the hospital and going down to practice and i, I did get in trouble for that um <laughs> but I, I just you know that time um even spiritually um i remember brandon doman giving me a a blessing that i I felt like gave me that peace I needed that, that I, I would be okay, you know, um, outside of the, the stitches ripping and some blood coming out. It was, Hey, we won the game yes, that's <laughs> so right. you at the did. end of the day. That's all that matters, man. <laughs> Let's talk about that. So you're 10 and 0, you're trying to clinch a conference championship, which was probably one of the first goals, right? So you don't just right. like Willis Reed shows up, makes like two shots, and then he has like no influence on that game. Everyone talks about Willis Reed. You had five catches for 94 and a touchdown. It wasn't like you were just out there. I want to mention this too, and you'll hear this tomorrow on the show in 01, but uh, David Nixon breaks this down where you draw a defender on the game-winning score that might have been in position to tackle Luke Staley, right? The, the attention that you created on the other side of the field, the other side of the formation, mattered, right? So what was it like to play in that game? And I guess we can say, you know, your, your bloody jersey was the original Kurt Schilling bloody sock, but for yeah. BYU, right? <laughs> it, there's just um, there's something about that U game, and, it, and it, uh, it, it's weird for me because – I grew up a U fan, right? My older brother played for the U. I hated BYU. I, I couldn't stand that 96 season living in Utah sucked for us. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, people talk about how, which I arguably, I would argue that it was probably one of BYU's best teams ever. Yeah. Yes. Like yeah. that. that's looking back at it. Absolutely. But I was someone that would wear my Utah jacket to the BYU football camps. And so you were that kid. I, I was that kid still. I'm I could still punk like that. But when it comes to that rivalry, I was so much on the other side that when my mom made me go to BYU, 
you almost took the whole other side respectfully though. You know what I mean? Like I still love the U. I the coach Witt, I, I, he's just someone I still text with. Like um, everything that went down with Morgan Scally, I was hurting for Morgan. I love that dude. And so I still, it was more of a respect for the rivalry. I remember in 98, I called and pranked a bunch of the U players getting toilet paper sent up to their room and just having like <laughs> Kafusi like, Dude, was that you that sent toilet paper out to my room? <laughs> Jason Kafusi. And it, you know, there's just a respect there, you know, my I, that you you know the rivalry so much that you have so much respect for those guys. And that game just has so much energy to it like no other game. And so um everything that played into that game and, and the way they had the lead and, and the way the game looked out of hand. And then Luke's couple touchdowns there. It, just every little aspect of that game, the emotions on the sideline. It's just, you know, there's points of that game where when you see the TV part of it and how, you know, the shaking after the touchdown, the mm. cameras and whatnot. For us players, right before the snap or when you're trying to hear the play from Brandon, people don't realize how the focus is so strong. You become deaf. Like you don't hear nothing. There's nothing. You can't hear nothing outside of breaking from the huddle, going up to your spot, especially for a receiver. You're trained to just watch the ball and not hear any cadence or anything. Um, a lot of times me and Brandon, it was just signals back to each other, but you become so deaf to everything outside. And it's, that's the hardest thing to duplicate, duplicate after you leave. You know, it's hard to get that kind of focus in anything. I mean, my golf games suck. I love golfing so much, but you can't find that focus anymore. You know, you, it's so hard to get to where you can tune everything out so much. And that's what you got in something like that game. This just that energy and that, that, um, and, and, you know, you're standing on the sideline of those games now and you go and watch it. You're part of that noise now, like, you know, you're screaming and whatnot and, Sorry, that's such a long answer, but but that's yeah. There's just so much um, so much energy in those games. Oh, great stuff in there. Reno Mahe with us on BYU Sports Nation. Reno, let's finish with this. Clearly, you still have an athlete's mentality and that competitive spirit burning within your soul, especially for the BYU Utah game. Uh, BYU Utah is roughly eight weeks away from a scheduled kickoff, but now we're hearing that that might not happen now. If you're able to put yourself in the shoes of a player now and knowing what's going on with COVID, would you feel comfortable showing up to play that game uh, with or without fans? <laughs> yeah. I don't care if they play that game in my backyard. I'm playing that game. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's, yes, I, I would have obviously, right, if you look at my record as far as that game goes. Yeah, I could care less. As a football player, I'm playing that game. There's, um, that's the mentality us football players had in those days, right? And so, but at the end of the day, I'm not a doctor. I'm not these kids' parents. Um, there, there's a lot people have to weigh, and I'd leave it to the experts and whatever, you know, whoever they're listening to. And so, you know, but for me, and my house, my kids are out there playing baseball. My daughter's playing basketball. She can, you know, 
it's everyone's has their own agency and their own choices to make. And so I hope they play um, all because I, I love, I love the game. I love uh, that rivalry. And so I, I hope they, they play the game regardless. Reno, so great to catch up with you, man. And I meant it when I oh, said it's, it, it, it's been too long, brother. So I hope <laughs> uh, we get to has. see you in person soon. Uh, we love you and your family and wish you all the best and continued health, man. Let's talk again soon. Thanks, gents. Have a good day. You got it. Reno Mahi on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. That's wild. You know, having uh, appendix surgery on Monday and playing Saturday, and that was a huge game. I mean, that's one of the great wins for BYU, the comebacks, right? We did that Tuesday, comebacks. That was uh, what an amazing comeback for uh, for BYU. And Reno's a guy that ends up playing in a Super Bowl with Andy Reid for the Eagles. I mean, he has a nice NFL career and came back. So so Reno leaves school, right? And he comes back and he has a successful state. He is he is a great he was junior his freshman year. He went by junior Mahe. And then he was Reno when he came back. Like he was a new person. He had truly converted to BYU when he became Reno. <laughs> That's hilarious. I hated BYU. Yeah. And the, even up and until the 1996 season of BYU. Yeah. That's I mean, that's really close when to When did it change? 97, yeah. 98. When, when did it change? Yeah. Coming up how Trevenell almost never played basketball after a dog bite. He might be the best shooter on the BYU basketball team, for real. Plus, what's the chance our countdown is still accurate and the best to ever wear number 47 with an NFL draft twist? This is BYU Sports Nation. Join us July 20th for BYU Football Media Day as we explore how this is going to go down, if it's going to go down at all, and preview the season with administrators, coaches, and players. July 20th, BYU Football Media Day on BYU TV and BYU Radio. He is Jerem Jordan. I am Spencer Linton. This is BYU Sports Nation. Let's whip it. It's time for the Cougar Whip Around. Athletics News. The Ivy League has officially pushed back all sports until at least January, becoming the first Division I conference that won't play football scheduled in the fall due to the coronavirus. The University of Stanford Athletic Department announcing they will drop 11 sports at the conclusion of the 2020-2021 season due to the financial challenges presented by COVID-19. This is Stanford we're talking about. Wyatt. That list of 11 sports includes men's volleyball and wrestling. Football. Yeah, really disappointed with the men's volleyball special. BYU's game against Northern Illinois on October 24th has been moved back to the Husky Stadium in DeKalb, originally scheduled for SeatGeek Stadium in Chicago. I hope that I get to visit DeKalb. Really do. Those are words that not many people have said. Right? BYU issues a statement regarding the federal government's student and exchange visitor program to send back all international students to their home countries should there be no in-person classes. Hot button topic. BYU will explore options to support those students and is seeking more information like everyone else. And uh, as we mentioned earlier, many BYU teams, including men's volleyball and women's basketball, have numerous international players that are trying to work through this difficult situation currently. Track and field. BYU announces the signing of 35 new student-athletes, 14 on the men's side, 21 on the women's. 18 are state champs, 13 states repping, plus Canada, Ghana, and the United Kingdom as well. Is track and field a sport that could manage their way through the coronavirus? You, you wonder, like, can, can they? I hope that everybody can. I, I, I don't know. I don't know, man. It just seems, comp- it seems complicated. Hopefully we can figure it out. All right, let's uh, make things a little bit less complicated right now with our best to wear it. This is pretty straightforward. We're counting up to 99. 
one or two numbers each show. Today it's one, and we determine the best athlete to ever wear each number in Provo. It is all about 47 today. 47. Todd Shell is the best to wear number 47. He was a linebacker in the 80s, really good, and eventual first-round pick. If you're a first-round pick, you're legit, right? 1980 to 1983, he was a starter on that 83 team. You saw the 83 reviewable show. Spencer made the argument this could be the best team in BYU history. That was an amazing team, right? Yes. 83 AP honorable mention, career stats, 123 tackles, 24 TFLs, 17.5 sacks. Nine picks, six fumbles uh, recovered, and a partridge in a pear tree. 1984, he was the 24th overall pick to the Niners. Uh, four years with the Niners. Todd Schell is the best wearing number 47. Look at him sack Steve Bono in the Rose Bowl back in 1983. <laughs> what an animal. That guy for Air Force. Todd Schell. Holy cow, those numbers are incredible. You just see the ferocity in those highlights that he played with. Yeah, he was fun to watch. Yeah, he had some good backers. Uh, the best BYU teams have always had good backers, absolutely. The honorable mention, and I know you know this guy well, it's the number five overall pick in the NFL draft not too long ago, Ziggy Ansa. Ziggy was my uh, pickup buddy in the RB at one point. You know, I'd just go and play and I'd play against him. Well, this guy turned in a tremendous 2012 career uh, season. Good enough with his freakish, amazing athletic ability after not playing football growing up, never even putting on pads or anything. Came to BYU trying to be the next LeBron James, playing the basketball team. Didn't make the basketball team. Did a little bit of track. Too big to run on the lanes. Tries out for the football team, and I think it worked out. Um, ends up getting picked fifth, which is tied for highest NFL draft pick ever with Jim McMahon. Kind of crazy. And uh, that brings us to an amazing stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. BYU's produced 10 NFL first-round draft picks all time. Two of them in uh, number 47, best That's crazy. So, Todd Shell. The number 47 has two of the 10 first-round draft picks. That's random. Uh, Steve Young and Gordon Hudson don't count in that because they were first-round USFL picks. I think they, Steve undoubtedly is a first-round NFL draft pick. Gordon, maybe end of the first, maybe maybe second or third in the NFL one. But, um, man, 10 NFL first-round draft picks, and Ziggy's one of them. Just, like, freakish physical ability. One of the greats. Yeah. Kyle Van Noy obviously won that game against San Diego State, mm-hmm. scoring two touchdowns. But Ziggy Ansah, in the shadow of Van Noy, had an amazing game against the Aztecs. Georgia Tech and Boise State were his coming out parties that year. He was Woo. amazing. Coming up, what's the chance the countdown is correct? And how a childhood experience almost ended Trevenel's basketball career before it even really began. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. On the latest BYU Sports Nation, right now. Right now. BYU football's most recent photo shoot is as epic as ever, but don't let that distract you from the Animal Shadows boy band poster and so many more gems found in the picture. Check it out on the BYU TV Sports social media platform. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation in Studio B. He is Jeremiah Spencer, and we are about to go deep blue with BYU basketball sharpshooter Trevin Nell. Interesting experience as a child. Almost ended his career before it began. This is Deep Blue. Left wing blaze. No look Mon. Cycle right corner. Nell again for three. Again! Trevin Nell! When it's all said and done, I think this Trevin Nell can be one of the great shooters to ever play at BYU. That's a ton of pressure I'm putting on this young man right now. But that's also what he's delivered every single day, every single game, his entire career. I have a really unique story, I guess. I have a pretty gnarly scar 
But this dog bite almost ended what could have been my basketball career. When Trevin was about seven or eight years old, he was over to the neighbors playing, of course, basketball. There was an ice cream truck that came down our street, and our neighbor was walking this huge dog. It was a great thing. I love dogs, and so I started petting this dog. The dog grabbed him and bit his arm and kind of threw him up against the fence. Shook him like a rag doll, just and then threw him to the ground. We knew he probably needed stitches, so we took him up to the hospital, and they cleaned out the wound. There was a basketball camp going on at the time, and he was determined to still go to the camp. So he went to the basketball camp and came back home, and he said, Mom, my arm is really hurting, and I noticed that the, it was turning red and it was hot. And I knew at the time that we needed to take him back up to the hospital. And they were really concerned about the infection. They had to work quickly because of how quickly the infection was growing. The doctor came by and just talked to my dad a little bit about what the options could could be if the infection doesn't go down. And one was amputation. You know, surgery is one thing, and, and that was a tough thing for a, for a young kid. But My dad was pretty nervous about it, and he ended up giving me a, a priesthood blessing. And so that was something that I hold really close to my heart. And the infection ended up going away. And luckily, I'm here and have two arms. So it's definitely a huge blessing. We thought that he would be scared to death of dogs. And no, he, he begged for years and years to get a German Shepherd. And so when he was 14 years old, we finally gave in. And we got him his dog. And he's named it Bear. And they are best friends. And he just absolutely loves him. And if he could take him down there to live with him, he would. <laughs> I think the turning point in Trevin's high school career was when we had a conversation his sophomore year at a spring tournament. He asked me, what's something that I need to work on? And the thing he told me was, Trevin, you're not great at anything, but you're good at everything. And that's something that stuck with me till now. And this kind of fueled my fire to just work harder and to sacrifice other things. And I think what distinguishes Trevin is a lot of young kids these days like their video games. And when it became video games or shooting hoops, Trevin always picked shooting hoops. He knew what he wanted and he knew what he needed to get to and, and the directions and the hard work and the steps and the sleepless nights and all that, all the stuff that goes along with that. We would get a church key every morning, 5 o'clock, and we would go over and I would rebound for him and he would just put up as many shots as he could before school started. He worked so hard and he was always so determined to be the best he could be. I led the state in scoring my senior year and I led the state in three-pointers my senior year also. And I'm in the Utah uh, high school record books for uh, my career threes in a season. My sophomore year, I ended up breaking my ankle so I, I feel like I could have broken a record or two here in Utah. <laughs> here at BYU, coming back from a mission, you have to work that much harder, especially since I'm a freshman. You, you're not entitled to anything. He has taken this goal sheet and he has put it in his locker. So there's something I look at to kind of give me motivation to work that much harder. Whether it's just to be one of the best players at BYU he can be or maybe at the next level, but he is always got that goal sheet in front of him and um, constantly trying to make himself better and improve himself. Uh, currently, there's a lot of seniors on the team, and that in some ways is a lot of advantage for him. He has such an, a huge opportunity to learn from these guys. 
It was hard coming back from the mission. You're a little rusty. My first game here, I had my teammates come up and talk to me and just talk to me about how this game doesn't define you. You just got to work hard and hustle and just let everything come to you. After that, I was able to just kind of get in my rhythm. I shot five for six from threes, had 19 points. I led the team. And so it was a super exciting feeling, especially since I'm the only freshman on the team. My hero is definitely my dad. He works super hard. He wakes up early and he comes home super late just so that I can be able to fulfill my dream here. To hear him say I'm his hero is pretty special. I have five amazing kids. And as a parent, you know, you just hope that you can teach them and, and that they'll learn and they'll grow and do different things. Oh, I gotta stop. Growing up, there's a lot of tournaments, a lot of all-star camps that cost a lot of money. And he never denied me of going. He just said I had to work hard and kind of give up and sacrifice other things. And because of his sacrifice, I made my own sacrifices. And that's the reason why I'm here is just because of his hard work and his dedication to be able to support our family. I say it every time we air one of those. They're gold. I mean, I know it's called Deep Blue. Gold, but it Jerry. Is, it is absolute gold. Yeah, we'll call it Deep Gold next year. <laughs> okay. uh, Trevin uh, is the guy that could be a, a bigger deal, right? This year broke his thumb, kind of got out of the rotation, of course, sat out. But excited to see what his future holds. And an amazing story. You don't know what someone's gone through to get to where they are, right? Yeah. And he almost lost his arm. I mean, that's intense. And Mark Pope's not alone when he says he could be one of the greatest shooters in BYU history. Dave Rose is right there with him saying, just watching him, like, he, he might become the greatest shooter in BYU history. It's quite a statement. I know. Former Cal signee. Coming up, we asked you and you answered. We got a Rob Morris freight train whistle. Woo! And what's the chance BYU and Utah happens in eight weeks? This is BYU Sports Nation. Where's the whistle, man? This segment of BYU Sports Nation is presented by the Tim Daly Auto Group, serving Utah since 1968. This segment of BYU Sports Nation presented by BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event. BYU Sports Nation continues with your friendly reminder. The show available anytime on demand via the BYU TV and BYU radio applications. Or download the podcast, Google BYU Sports Nation podcast. Subscribe, rate, and review. Okay, short edition of What's the Chance Today, presented by BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event. BYU Sports Nation asks, what's the chance? Jerem, the only question... And there's good reason it's the only question. What's the chance BYU football plays Utah in this many days? Countdown to the Utes. 56 days. What's the chance BYU plays Utah in 56 days? 56? Jeez. Uh, I don't know, man. I have, I have no clue. I'm feeling like we're probably not going to play, you know, BYU's not going to play Utah? If BYU plays, maybe it'd be some other hybrid schedule like we've postulated based on this Power 5 schools playing their own opponents. So I, I would guess that if BYU plays, they're not playing Utah. I hate it so I don't much. Know what, I don't know what percentage to give I to that. Hate 25, it. 50? I hate it too, man. Well, based on what we're hearing from the Pac-12 and Big Ten and the trending that's happening, 5%? Listen, no one's going to be aggressive in this. They're going to be, they're going to have it uh, controlled as much as possible. And he, here's the thing with why you'd go to league only. 
then you can dictate how everyone interacts with COVID. Stuff. Sure. You can, it's That's, regulated. Yes, because when a non-conference game happens, like, well, what are you guys doing? Oh, we test on Mondays, and then we say we're good. Oh, well, we test on Thursdays. So what? You know, so it's hard to regulate that I'm if hope- it's not in league. I'm hoping there is an exception for conference only, but you can play like an in-state team because you can regulate within the state too. So I'm, I'm holding out hope that there is some type of exception for, okay, if you're going to play a non-conference game, it has to be against somebody in your own state. Utah's not going to go out of their way to try to play BYU no, in that way, though. but BYU They're going to just play the games that the league wants them to play. Sure. Yeah. Our question of the day, do you feel there will be college football in the fall? Why or why not? 68% say no. That's, now that's, 70% that's telling. vote.byutv.org if you want to add into that. Our Elite Voice of the Day presented by Sundance Mountain Resort from at Twiggy or Stone, elite member of BYU Sports Nation. He says, it does not seem likely with these recent spikes in cases and schools canceling sports, it would seem the football season is in jeopardy. Yeah. I think what we saw from Stanford is going to start to become the norm for a while. Canceling that, sports? Right, and I don't believe... Currently, that will be an issue at BYU. I, I hope that that doesn't happen. But it's happened before, and notably at the, uh, in the late 90s with wrestling and gymnastics. Man. Okay, today's Rise and Shout Out. The other day, we mentioned, hey, let's get a freight train whistle yeah. here. And here we are. We have Elmo Keck, who's one of our guys. Yes, Elmo left us a note. He said, I listened to your show and enjoyed the segment on Rob Morris. You talked about the train whistle, but you didn't have one. So you can show this to your audience. Here it is. Yeah. He says, you don't know me. We know you, Elmo. No, we know you. We know you, man. We, we see you, you are, in the man. student athlete building. He's a guy that loves BYU athletics, right. spends a lot of time there. Obviously, hasn't been able to be there because everything's been shut down. But yeah. uh, we appreciate you dropping this off, man. I'm, Donate I'm, to the set. You're the man, dude. I'm going to put on my mask. Yeah, that's a, that's a smart I'm gonna, thing. I'm going to blow this whistle. <laughs> Here comes Rob. Yeah, I love fun, it. Fun times, man. Our thanks to today's guest, Reno Mahe. Started Dennis Pitta ran out of time. Conversation continues twenty four seven on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Use the hashtag BYU. For Jeremiah I'm Spencer, shout out to Jason Sukanik. Nice. We'll see you tomorrow on BYU Sports Nation. The Reviewables two thousand one. Go Cougs. Yeah, love it. Imagine sixty thousand of those, dude. <laughs> Right, are we ready to show them what we got, girls? Put your hands together and make welcome the...